Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. I'm sorry, but I don't want to be an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much, feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent, and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness of men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world. Millions of despairing men, women, and children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines, the power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Just want you thinking for a moment about the place that you live in, uh, where you go to work, where you go to school, the people you hang out with, the people that you call friends that may not actually be friends. They're just people you feel guilty if you say no to. The people that you just surround yourself with. And my guess is, do keep your hands to yourself, okay? My guess is that you find yourself at times around a person that just seems to drain the life out of you, where just seeing them makes you say, I want to go back just somewhere else and not with this person. You see them maybe in a store, and you decide, I don't need to be in here, and you leave the store, or you divert and hide. Some of you, you live with these people, and it's just tough because you don't know where to hide. And Here's what I know. And in fact, I want to show you in the Bible what you might be dealing with. I'll show it to you in Proverbs. Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. What I want you to think about, and it's not a nice thought, 
you might have some cruel people in your life. The ones that when you talk to them, uh, you find yourself just going, I used to be happy and now I'm not. In fact, if you look at just normal culture nowadays, cruelty is everywhere. We know that. Some of us have just agreed with it and we're like, yeah, that's just the way life is going to be. And I got to tell you, cruelty will destroy you. Not just uh, you doing cruel things. I'm talking about the cruelty around us begins to take us to a place where we wonder, can life be good anymore? Can people be nice to each other? Well, let me tell you in short form, yes, we can be nice to each other. We can be nice to each other. We can actually enjoy life, but we got to talk about kindness. And I thought, okay, if we're talking about kindness, I mean, it's Christmas, so of course we're talking about kindness, but what's the opposite? Well, it's simple. It's a word, negativity. Now someone's like, oh, I got some of those people in my life. You might not have called it cruel, but I would tell you negativity can go cruel fast. And in fact, if you have a negative person in your life, I can tell you a little bit about your life. It's defeating. In fact, your self-esteem can get impacted by a negative person. If those of you who still go to school and you've got that, that friend or that acquaintance at school that's negative towards you or about you, I know that you no longer like to go to school. If you work with that person, I know that you've considered already quitting that job, looking for something different because of that one person. Negativity will destroy a marriage. It'll sever the relationship between a parent and their child. It'll end a friendship. Negativity is a deep spiritual conversation. In fact, maybe you identify with something else written in the Bible. It's in Psalm 42. I feel like the writer kind of got us here. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I wonder, and again, just keep this to yourself. I wonder if these would be words that match up with how you currently feel. Or maybe when you watch the news or you show up to work or maybe when you return home. Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so sad? Well, I can tell you why. In part, negativity is a thief. Negativity is a thief. If you have a person, or if you are that person, by the way, I know someone's like, oh, I know there's not a single negative person in all of Fountain Springs Church, but that's just, that's just somehow, let's think bigger than this. But negativity is a thief. It will rob you. In fact, negativity is, is like a bad roommate. You know, the one who doesn't clean, uh, doesn't pay rent, doesn't pay their part of the utilities, is loud. It, it's, it's where that roommate, just when you think about that roommate, you're like, I hate living here. You used to love it, but now you don't. You think, in fact, even when you go to work, you're just still mad at that roommate. In fact, when you have a bad roommate, everyone else is annoying to you. It just begins to just kind of splinter out all over. Negativity is like that. It'll rob you. It, negativity will rob you of being able to enjoy the life of another person. In fact, if someone else gets good news, you will not be able to celebrate their good news because of negativity. Negativity will keep you from ever building a relationship where it's strong and supportive because negativity is well, just flat out toxic. Negativity will rob you of a rich marriage. Negativity will rob you of friends. Negativity will rob you of a job, of a promotion. Negativity is uh, rampant, by the way. 
I mean, again, just watch the news a little bit. That's, I seems to be like the thread throughout all the news is what's negative, report on that. Many times, that's what's connected to some of us. You know that. You want to mess, okay, I've had to write this sermon on negativity. Man, I'm far more negative than I thought I was. See, negativity is where sometimes you might have this, a friend that you connect based on negativity, where when you get together, that's what you have in commonality. You're like, let's be negative together. Oh, this is so not refreshing. (laughs) So I want to talk about this. If you value kindness, which I think that you do, I think that most of us are like, I just wish the world was nicer. I wish mankind would start to get along. Then you've got to confront, and I don't use that word lightly, you have to confront negativity. And some of you will hate this sermon. I do, just to forewarn you. Because I have discovered that I am far more negative than I would have admitted beforehand. And so this week has been constantly me catching my words catching my thoughts, going, do I still have to preach this? Can we delay this a little bit? But no, I believe God has something for us. And in fact, he drew my attention to a historical moment. It really happened. It's documented in the Bible. And what's profound to me is that this story that I'm going to read to you and share with you uh, has multiple forms of negativity that you and I will learn from. Yay! It'll also It'll also have a way for you and I to confront it. The story's profound, but you've got to be willing to lean into it and be like, okay, if you value kindness, then you also value confronting negativity. So before you jump to, I can't wait to share this with that person, lean in for yourself. That's what I did. It's been good. I think my family has appreciated it. Some of my friends have appreciated it. In fact, they think, why doesn't he text us anymore? I got nothing negative to say anymore. So maybe you'll learn as I learned. Let me give you context before I share all of this with you. There's a group of people that were freed from slavery. It's in the Old Testament. God freed them. Some call them the Israelites, the Hebrews. God's chosen people. He frees them out of slavery. They've been in slavery for a long time. Frees them. And he's like, over over generations before they ever entered slavery, he had promised them this incredible land where they would thrive. They get freed, and he's like, all right, I'm going to give you the promised land. And so they gather up, and they put together what you and I would do, scouts. They put together these scouts, and the scouts are going to go out and explore the land that they're about to take, that they're about to live in and grow up in. God's promised it. They just got to go explore it and see what's going to happen. There's evil people that live throughout the land, and they got to figure out how are we going to do this. So they send out scouts to check things out. The scouts come back with a report on all that's out there. Let me show you what they said. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. Now pay attention to this. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, and they brought back like the most amazing fruit, and they're saying, hey, this land that God has given us, that he's promised us, 
It has everything he promised. It's amazing. And by the way, this group of people, more than decades, for centuries, had been holding on to a promise from God. You and I struggle holding on to a promise from God for about five minutes. And we're like, why don't you show up, God? You promised us. Where are you? They've been holding on to this promise for centuries. And all of a sudden, they send out scouts, and the scouts come back. It's exactly what he said. It's amazing. But that's not all that happened. Not only did they bring back this amazing news, they brought back negativity. Again, do you have someone in your life that seems to see everything as half empty? Well, uh, there were some of them that saw it that way. Let me show you the negativity, and you and I are going to learn whether you like it or not. But the people living there are powerful. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. You can fast forward to a couple verses, and there's even more just nastiness. We, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report. Got anybody you work with like that? Go to school with? Live with them? So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. <laughs> I just think it's funny. All the people we saw there were huge. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. Negativity right off the bat. I mean, you're catching that. They're like, here's the land that God, God who has freed them out of slavery, God that has done miracles in front of them, God that has just promised and always fulfilled promises. And like, it, this place is full of great places. We, we can raise crops. We can raise our feet. This is amazing. But there's big people there. Do you catch the negativity? Um, all of a sudden, they're willing, huh, this gets me because I've been there, they're willing to take all of these wonderful promises and faith in God and table it because of a few negative people. You and I are profoundly impacted by negativity, but you need to see what kind. So what you just saw is, what I would call comparing. It's a type of negativity. Comparing. Where you have chosen to look at what others look like and have and how they live, and all of a sudden you're like, I don't like my life. All of a sudden you're like, I thought things were good, not anymore. Comparing. Some of us have the gift of comparing. You can compare what others have at every single moment, every turn in your life. In fact, some of you, you have no joy in life because everyone else seems to be loved by God more than you. Comparing. You know this. You expect a pastor to talk about comparing. I, it's the whole comparing yourself to your neighbor kind of a thing. We're not supposed to do that. What are they driving? Where do they live? What kind of job do they have? How are their kids doing? And we compare. Here's what I know because all of us are normal. In the sense that we compare. We look at what others have, and then we look at what we have. Do you know that when you compare, you are being negative? 
you're being negative because you're comparing what others have. Sometimes it's in a sense of, hey, I wish I had it. Do you know that some of us are negative on the other side? Boy, I'm glad I don't have that. Do you know that's also negative? Sometimes do you know that, that we will rejoice, we will not ever say those words out loud, but we rejoice in the demise of another person, and we're like, sure glad I'm not there. But what happens if you end up there someday? What are you going to do then? Comparing, for many of us, has stolen us blind. Comparison will put you into debt fast. Comparison will make you joyless. You'll never be able to celebrate with friends when they say, hey, guess what happened in our life? You'll be like, happy for you. Do you know how many of us have faked being happy for another person? And if you've ever wondered, why am I faking this right now? Because you're comparing, and comparing is negativity. Now, I am not unlike you. I have had moments in my life where I've struggled with comparing. So I had to do something about it. I can't stand being aware of something broken in my thinking and my faith to where I got to do something about it. So here's what I did. This last trip I went to Israel, went to a coin shop. They're all over the place. Went to a coin shop, went in there, and I bought something. It's called a widow's mite. You probably have heard of the widow's mite. But this now, we, I had it framed, put a verse on top of it. And it now is it's in our house. It's where we can see it. Or at least I have to see it. <laughs> and I do talk to the kids about it, especially when it's hanging up. They're like, what is that? And what's the little dot? <laughs> it's a widow's might. Helps me fight against comparing in the wrong way. Because that's what I need to tell you. Uh, there is a good way to compare. You and I are just not good at comparing. So that's why I just warn you, you might just want to get out of the whole game of comparing because you and I are not good at it. Let me show you the verse that is attributed to the widow's might and why I've got it in my house. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. <laughs> Can you just visualize this now? Whew, some of us would be so offended. Many rich people, but in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in Two small coins, exactly like the one I have. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. They would have been like, what? For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. You do catch that Jesus just compared so it should mess with you, like, wait a minute, if Jesus is comparing, I think I'm allowed to. No, not so much. Jesus did not compare the amounts in the sense of he was not big on a dollar amount. He compared the sacrifice. He compared that some people do not seem to be fully invested, and this woman was. So if you want to compare, let me give you permission. You can look at the lives of other people, and as they are sacrificing, you can say, oh, wow, I'm not sacrificing near as much as they are. I need to do more. There is safe comparison. And by the look of your faces, you're like, yeah, I'm going to stop comparison all. I just completely. Comparison about the amount, looking at what others have and what they're doing, will rob you 
of kindness. There's more. Let me show you. Then the whole community began weeping aloud. It's a bit of a change now from the beginning. And they cried all night. <laughs> they went from, there is amazingness now. Now they're screaming and yelling all night long and crying. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. <laughs> if you think I'm morbid, I'm, I'm not laughing because it, well, it is funny. Because they've gone from, here's the land God promised us. It's going to be amazing. They're going to steal our children. All of a sudden, they've shifted. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? You may not like what I'm about to say, but I love it. Another form of negativity is catastrophizing, and I did not make that word up. <laughs> it's a real word. Test me on that one. It's bad. It's bad because it starts with cat. That's one of the reasons. <laughs> that was an easy one. <laughs> catastrophizing. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Catastrophizing. It's a real word, and it's about negativity. Let me show you the definition, and you might resonate with it. Believing that something is far worse than it actually is. <laughs> Some of us are like, I've never done that. Yes, you have. <laughs> Some of us are professionals at this, where we look at something and be like, we're all going to die. <laughs> Honey, have you got the bomb shelter yet? Because we need to get, I'm sorry, I know I'm stepping on toes, but Okay, okay, let me, let me help you. I've been there. Okay, I've been there. I've been there. I have catastrophized before. I'll give you a very open, vulnerable story. My kids will have tests at school, okay? Tests. And they'll be like, hey, I got, I got a test tomorrow. Sweet. Sit down and study. And I'm like, I don't need to study. I, I looked at it at school. But you need to sit down and study right now. I'm like, but no, I don't. I, I know it all. I don't think you do. You need to study. And I'll see in their face that they don't believe what I'm saying. So I catastrophize the moment. <laughs> like, you know what, this spelling test, you know what happened? If you get a bad grade on that, you're going to get a bad grade. If you get enough bad grades, you're not going to be able to go to college or do anything afterwards. You're going to find yourself on the streets, <laughs> starving and begging for food. So you need to get an A on this spelling test. That's how life works. <laughs> if you don't want to just live on the streets the rest of your life, this spelling test matters. That's called catastrophizing the moment. <laughs> we all do it. We all do it, actually. We do it to the people that we love and the people we don't like. We take a moment and we blow it up. Okay, grades are important. But grades are not everything. Studying is important. You should always give your best effort in every possible moment. But for those of us who are brilliant at catastrophizing a moment, then you ought to go like, hey, if you get 
an F on this. Boy, I mean, God could provide for you. This could actually turn out to be amazing, and you could end up living the dreams of all your life that you ever had. You got to show the other side. But many of us go the negative, don't we? We go the negative because we want to prove a point or we think that we're right when all of us adults know the truth that that one test does not define the rest of life. But some of us are treating our spouses as what they did the other day, minimal, has ruined things. We begin to take things and we nitpick. I do not nudge anybody, but we begin to nitpick and we begin to say, this is a bigger deal. This is a bigger deal. This is a bigger deal. And you know that's called negativity. Perhaps that's one you identify with. Uh, Let's move on to one last one. Negativity could be grumbling. (laughs) This is the one I've personally hated this week. Because just by someone bringing up, hey, do you... uh, grumble much to complain a little bit like no not very much you're welcome it just ruined your next week because you're gonna think about it let me show you in the story this is where i get it from the story then they plotted among themselves they grumbled you've already seen even other places in this story where they complain they whine they grumble they begin to talk to other people and be like this is so bad grumbling they plot i want to catch that plot Again, some of us, we work in those places. You go to school in those places. You live in those places. People will just plot, 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 plot. They grumble. There's, there's this constant, like, this is not good. This is not good. Maybe you've been there. And you're like, but David, I have grumbled, but I was right. <laughs> okay. You can grumble, be right, and still be negative. And sometimes in this culture nowadays, we think because we're right, that gives us the privilege and opportunity to say whatever we want to say because we're right. I would push back and say sometimes it's kindness that we need. It's kindness in a way that you're, you help that person know that they're actually valuable. But when you're always stating what's right all the time because you are a brilliant person, You need to know that others around you see you as a negative person. The Bible gives us instructions. Uh, Philippians, let me show you Philippians. Do everything without complaining. (laughs) Everything, I hate that word. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. We live in a broken world, I would agree, you would agree, where people are cruel to each other. Perhaps we can confront that by starting to be kind, by refusing to be negative. Now, I skipped over a verse. I like to do that. <laughs> See, there was a person in this story that didn't go negative. He saw the same thing that everyone else saw, but he had a different response. Numbers 13.30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. He saw the same things. Let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. He saw the same thing. He saw the same big people. He saw the same fortified walls and 
intensity of, of actually going in this land that God promised. Oh, he saw how, how they could plant crops and everything was going to go great. He just didn't go negative. Do you have that person in your life, maybe? That person who's like almost in an annoying way refuses to go negative. Now, perhaps, you know, maybe they're more godly than you thought. Maybe the refusal to go negative is possible. The Bible will tell you to take captive your thoughts, to actually take what you're thinking, whether you're right or not, and to take them captive to make sure that they don't just make you say stuff and do stuff. And what I find profound about Caleb, he began to think on something. How was he able to see what all they saw and not go negative? I would tell you it had to do with what he was thinking on. And he was thinking about God. Not trying to be holier than others. I don't think he was trying to be like, oh, I'm going to make everyone impressed with me. No, he was choosing to concentrate on God. And I would pass along the same wisdom. If you want to refuse to be negative, concentrate on the character of God. When that person you work with just starts grumbling, or that person you live with begins to catastrophize the whole moment, or maybe you live or work or or just hang out with someone who compares all the time, and then you begin to have that temptation to be like, oh, I'm just going to echo what they're saying. Rather than do that, maybe there's a lesson in the life of Caleb where you and I begin to concentrate not on what that person is saying, whether they're right or wrong, but we begin to say, who is God in all of this? I know that God is faithful. He loves us. He's kind. He's amazing. And yet there are people that fail all the time. But no matter what happens here on earth amongst the people we care about and that we live with and work with and go to school with, God is always good. Concentrate on the character of God. And see, I've had these conversations where I work with this person, I live with this person, and they're so negative all the time. Like, I know. And and it's a lie to just plug your ears while they're talking to you because you want to explode a situation. Plug your ears while someone's talking to you. It won't go well. Or to turn your back on them. That's not even good either. But you can always choose what you're going to concentrate on. You can always choose in the moment, what am I going to dwell on? So I'll ask you a question that I have personally wrestled with. (laughs) What have you allowed yourself to concentrate on? If you might find yourself in one of those categories of negativity that I found myself in, what have you allowed yourself to concentrate on? Some of us, it's What's going on in your life? And it's bad and you don't like it. Someone's mistreated you. They've not allowed something. They've not said good things to you or about you. Or or you don't have what you want to have and you look at what others have and there's this negativity trying to just knock at your door. You're like, what do I do about this? Well, you choose to concentrate on God. Started off with Psalm 42.11. Let me show it to you again. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? There's more to this verse. I'll show you the next line. I will put my hope in God. David, who is attributed to having written this, if you read that whole psalm, people were threatening him. 
I would call that negative. I don't know if you daily have threats. But he was having threats. And I think really wrestling with his thoughts and, and negativity. And he would conclude, and I think this is great wisdom, that when you're discouraged, when you're sad, when you've got negativity just, just pounding you in the head, what do you do? You put your hope in God. You, you concentrate on God. Sometimes for some of us, that's turning on different kinds of music, where that music will tell you all about God. And you're like, all these other people are saying stuff about you or about where you work or anything like that. And, and you turn on music that will tell you God is amazing. And you begin to let yourself concentrate on what the Bible says through music. Some of you will open up your Bibles and you will read incredible truth and concentrate on that truth. Some of you will find a friend who loves Jesus too. And you'll say, I need help because everyone around me is so negative. I need help. I need help seeing reality. Put your hope in God concentrate. This verse gets at something. What has you, you got to think about, let me show you, Uh, whatever has your concentration has control. Whatever has you right now, whatever has your mind, whatever has you consumed, whether it's, it's bad news, bad finances, maybe you, maybe you had this moment where just you're at odds with someone, Or maybe you just, you listen to the news and you're like, man. And just this negativity, this temptation to be about and speak about all that, even though you're right, all the bad going on, all the cruelty going on. Whatever has your concentration. I'm not saying you and I avoid and put our heads in the sand. But you choose what you're going to concentrate on every day, all the time. What have you been concentrating on? Because it has control over you. It's affecting how you treat people. And I would tell you very simply, you cannot be both negative and kind at the same time. So you've got to, just like me, confront, confront negativity. So, yeah, it's time. If you are here the first week, how do you confront it? I'll help you. It's what we're calling (laughs) the kindness dare. Again, I've learned over 10 years how to talk to South Dakotans. I've got to dare you. Because sometimes we're like, I don't know why you want pastors to do this. I don't know. So I'm going to dare you to do this. If you want to fight negativity in your life, if you want to bring kindness to mankind as close as where you work, where you live, where you go to school, wherever you're at, I dare you. In fact, we should up the ante. I double dare you. Pick a person, and for 24 hours, pick this person. Again, it can't be you. That's cheating. Pick a person and say nothing negative to or about them. For some, you're like, oh, that's easy. Some of you are like, I don't know if I can do that. 24 hours. At the same time, during that 24 hours, you need to say one positive thing to them. Not just think it in your head. Not just tell someone else. But you need to say it to them and then do an act of kindness for them. It's what we're calling the kindness dare. And it's a way for you and I to practically walk out. If you don't like negativity and you love kindness, then you and I have to lean into this and say, all right, then I need to live differently. Perhaps all of us, which I probably should remove the word perhaps, but perhaps all of us 
are more negative than we think we are. I'll be the first to admit that this week I learned I'm far more negative than I thought I was. Grumbling. Do it all the time. Drive by and complain about like road work, drivers. I mean, you drive for a little bit in Rapid City. <laughs> See, I just did it. I have a problem with this. I think you do too, just to be nice about it. And So let's take the kindness dare this week. Find someone and refuse to be negative. Be kind to them. Do things for them so that all of mankind could perhaps catch the fire of kindness. Let me pray for you. God, what a privilege it is to gather here. What a privilege it is to lean into the stories that you were fully a part of. God, thank you for never leaving us and forsaking us, for always walking with us, for providing for us. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to even get to read your words, your inspired words that help us learn about our own lives. Lord, I pray for all of us, especially myself. God, I think we are more negative than we'd like to admit. We need your help. We admit it right now. We need your help. God, would you help each and every one of us, specifically just over the next 24 hours, to speak kindness, to bring kindness, to bring the love that you've given us into the lives of other people. God, would you even bring names to mind? While we're out and about, God, would you prompt us to see a person in a way we, we didn't normally see them and help us to be kind to them? God, give us the boldness, the boldness needed to show people who you are. We love you so much. I ask, God, that you would do miracles through this kindness, that you would bring glory to yourself, not to the church, not to a person, but to you, that you would use these moments for others to see how much you love them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.